Jack Sauer stared uncomfortably at the woman in front of him as she moaned in agony. He watched as she stood up from the gurney and began to pace the lobby. He made sure to look away where she turned in his direction. He had failed to do so a few times and he had caught the unmistakable look of despair in her eyes as she struggled to walk. Doctor! Doctor! The woman's cracking voice called out. When am I going to be looked at? You've got to give me something for the pain. It's unbearable. The doctor who had appeared at the end of the lobby stopped. She turned to face the patient, then made her way towards her. When the doctor reached the patient, she placed a hand on the woman's shoulder. Sophia, I want to help you, but you're making it tough for me. The truth is, the only thing we can do for you right now is give you morphine drips. I can appreciate your disdain for needles, but I need your consent to proceed. She paused. How much pain do you feel you're on? On a scale of 1 to 10, is it as bad as before? Is it still a 6? It's getting worse, Doc, Sophia said in a crackling tone. It's getting to a 9 now. Sophia kept nodding and groaning vigorously. She clasped her hand over her head and began to pace faster. She had rapid, shallow breaths, and tears started rolling down her cheek. Jack felt a knot in his chest as he tried to avoid her eyes. He turned to the doctor, and he could have sworn he saw her lip quiver. I know you hate needles, Sophia, but we have to do it. The process is quick, and I have some of my best phlebotomists in here tonight. You have to give me your consent by signing the waiver, she said, pointing to a document she had in her right arm. Sophia stared at it, then began to shake her head in frustration. Don't you have a pill or something that can take away the pain? Unfortunately not, Sophia. Your only options here are to take the drip or try to be patient till someone else can get to you. Sophia shook her head vigorously and slowly shuffled back to the kernel. She slumped onto it and let out a loud moan. All right, Sophia. Be aware that this is your choice, the doctor said, massaging her temple then aggressively running her hands through her hair. She started to walk away, then stop. Look, I can appreciate how much pain you're in. Your constipation is no laughing matter, but you have to let me do my job. Your life would be so much better if you took my advice. I really cannot proceed with this until I get your consent on the waiver, she said, waving a sheet of paper above her head. Also, also, I would appreciate it if you could keep this area open. The doctors are going to need as much space as possible. Just as she said that, there was a loud ringing in the hallway, and moments later, two doctors sprinted across it into a patient's room. There were loud screams as a woman in a panicked voice yelled out, Don't tell me he's dead! Don't tell me he's dead! Ma'am, I would need you to step back, please. The calm voice of a doctor called out to the screaming woman. We're doing everything we can. Jack buried his face in his palms. His eyes were welling up with tears and he felt his shoulder begin to shake. Not meant to play out this way. It was supposed to go smoother than this. He looked up to see a body bag 
being rolled out of another room and into the hallway. He felt a lump in his throat as a ding of an elevator reverberated through the hallway. We're going down. The man rolling the cops said before stepping in. Sophia, who had now began to sob into the gurney sheets, let another loud moan as she slowly got to her feet. Jack turned to her as she began to pace around the lobby. With every few steps, she slammed her clenched fist into the wall. She was of average height, as far as he could tell. Her folded shirt revealed a terracotta skin with beads of sweat acting like distributaries from her forehead all the way down her neck. Her white shirt was now soaked with sweat and the underarm was dark brown from dried sweat. With every step she took, she showed defiance. Moaning loudly and shaking her head as she left the thread of sweat in her wake. Sophia, you have got to get back into the bed, her doctor continued forcefully. In a few minutes, I'll have to make a decision to give you the IV, whether you approve or not. She reached into her pocket and brought out the radio. This is Dr. Laura Hauser. I need another cleanup on the second floor. Dr. Hauser glared as Sophia paced. She grabbed her radio again. This is for your own good, she remarked as she pushed the radio button. Also, get me Dr. Hyman. Tell him to bring his tools. Dr. Hauser walked up to Sophia and began massaging her head. I have to overrule you on this one, my dear, she said in a calm, soothing voice. It's going to be all right. I promise, Dr. Hyman makes it as painless as possible. After massaging her hair for a few seconds, she turned to Jack, who was watching them. Have you been helped yet, Mr... Jack Sauer, Jack responded quickly. I'm here from the superintendent's office. Oh, she said disapprovingly. I'm sure they'll get to you soon. The sounds of creaking wheels came from around the corner. And seconds later, a bald man appeared, dragging a bucket and holding a caution sign. He had a dark blue gown with a blue patch that read, Hans Janitorial Service. How are you doing, Dr. Hauser? Hans said with a tired smile. Still alive, Hans, Laura responded, still massaging Sophia's head. Sorry for all the trouble. It's no trouble, Hans responded as he began to clean the sweat on the floor. Dr. Hyman will be here any minute now, Laura reassured Sophia as Hans cleaned up and placed the caution sign on the wet floor. Is he with her? Hans asked, pointing at Jack as he picked up his bucket. Jack was about to respond when Laura interjected. No, he's here for the superintendent. Oh, he said, taking it back. Are you the superintendent's husband? No, 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 Jack said quickly. I'm an assistant at the office. Oh, I see, Hans declared. I only asked because of the flowers, he said, pointing at the bright bouquet of flowers lying on the chair beside Jack. It's from all of us at the office, Jack said, finally smiling again. She's a hero, I tell you, Hans declared. I have never seen anyone with guts like her. I told her brother, Walter. I think he said... His name was Walter a few minutes ago. Walter? 
Jack muttered under his breath. He has no bro, he was about to say. Thank you, Hans, Laura said with a smile, cutting Jack off. He's the hospital gossip. Once you get him going, he is difficult to stop, the doctor continued, tapping Hans on the shoulder and turning to Jack. Where's our patient? A voice called out from the corner, seconds before a man appeared. The voice seemed to have caught Laura by surprise because she stepped back and placed a hand on her chest. Dr. Ransford, she said, letting out a sigh. Here's Sophia, she said, smiling at Sophia and stroking her plaited hair. Sophia, my name is Dr. Ransford, and I want you to be assured that everything will be okay, he said in a matter-of-fact way. He reached into his doctor's coat and pulled out a white instrument. This is a prissy vein, he began, waving the object in front of Sophia. How this works is that when Dr. Hauser pushes this button, he turned to Laura, who smiled. When she pushes this button, a light will appear at the bottom that illuminates all your veins. When that happens, I stick this needle in, and in a second, it's all over. I've been doing this for 25 years, and I can assure you it will be all right. Jack watched as Dr. Hauser grabbed the pressy vein from Dr. Ransford and stepped back to allow him to get into position. Sophia, who seemed to be reassured by Dr. Ransford, began to mumble under her breath. When they were in position, Dr. Hauser turned on the light and Dr. Ransford ran his finger across her arm. Sophia let out a moan. It's going to be fine, my dear. You were extremely brave tonight, Dr. Ransford said, reaching into his coat and pulling out some sterilizing wipes. I found a vein. I'll be going for it, he said, rubbing the wipes on her arm. Now I'm going to count from five, and when I reach one, it'll be all over. Okay, Sophia? Sophia nodded. All right, here we go, Dr. Ransford said. Five. Four. Three. He pushed the needle into her vein. There you go. I promised you would not fit a thing. He reached into his pocket and pulled out some medical tapes to hold the needle in place. My job here is done, he said, turning to Dr. Hauser. Thank you so much, Dr. Ransford, Laura said with a hint of relief. All right, then. I'll be on my way. He started to walk down the hallway, his cloak flowing behind every step. Jack stared at Dr. Ransford with a sense of admiration as he strode down the lobby. He was a man of average build, average height, and he walked with a slight limp. His grain hair gave away his age. He could not have been any younger than 60. He wore large glasses that got buried in his curly hair, and he walked with an air of confidence. Just as he was about to disappear into the corner, his radio came to life. Dr. Ransford here? There was a pause. All right, I'll bring my tools. He turned the corner, and he seemed to take excitement with him. When Jack turned to Sophia, she was laying on her back, staring at the ceiling with a bag of fluids dripping slowly into her veins. The agitation had gone, and sleep seemed inevitable. He was like a superhero, Jack said under his breath. What was that? Dr. Hauser said, picking the wipe 
and tosses it into a biohazard waste basket. Oh, I did not realize I was speaking out loud. I was just remarking about the doctor, Jack responded. Dr. Ransford? You won't be the first, Dr. Hauser said with a smile. I'll check on the superintendent and get back to you in a minute. I don't expect you will have too much longer to wait. Dr. Hauser disappeared into the corner, and Jack sat alone, letting the silence envelop him as the excitement dissipated. I knew it was going to be a difficult task. But I did not expect this much of a loss. He closed his eyes and tried to remember the moment he heard Melissa was in a critical state and had been rushed into intensive care. My hands were shaking uncontrollably as I tried to hold on to the phone receiver. I have not even known her that long. Why do I seem so protective of her? It felt like I was hit with a hammer and my legs were trying desperately to give way under me. I guess I bought into a belief that everything would be great. She has to be the most dynamic superintendent we've had in years. No one would have ordered an encroachment like she did. He opened his eyes and stared at the arrangement of wilting flowers that was laying on the seat beside him. He had gotten the flowers a day and a half ago, and since then he had been sitting here, and he had seen several bodies being dragged to the morgue in body bags. I've watched families bust out in pure elation as they left the hospital. In that period, I have heard nothing about Melissa. The last update was the tube and the fact that it was out. She was finally breathing on her own. Does she even know I'm here? Sophia shifted in her bed, breaking the silence of the hallway momentarily. I still have no idea why I like her so much. He yawned, stretched out his legs and got comfortably in his seat. Moments later, he was fast asleep. Mr. Sauer, can you hear me? A voice called to Jack from the solemnness of sleep. He felt a gentle tap on his shoulder. Mr. Sauer. Jack opened his eyes to see a nurse standing over him. You're awake. Finally, she said with a smile. Jack looked around the lobby area, trying to gather his thoughts. There are sterile white walls. A woman in a lab coat smiling in my face with a city central hospital embroidered in her coat. What am I doing here? A split moment after that, the whole incident played back in his head. The frantic call to the hospital about Melissa being in critical condition, the chaos of trying to find her next of kin and realizing there was none, rushing to the hospital to see how she was doing, picking up a bouquet of flowers after he was told she would have to wait a long time before he got to see her, sitting uncomfortably for hours and finally falling asleep as a result of exhaustion. How is the superintendent doing? He said, cutting the nurse who was about to say something. Good news, Mr. Sauer. She is in stable condition now. She's breathing on her own, and all our tests seem to indicate she will make a full recovery. Yes! Jack exclaimed involuntarily. 
She asked of you, the nurse continued. Would you like to see her? Yes, of course, Jack said, springing to his feet. Come with me, then, the nurse said with a smile. She stared to lead the way down the hall. She stared to lead the way down the hall, and Jack was keeping pace. Just as they were about to turn the corner, the nurse turned to him. Aren't those yours? Jack spun around to see the flowers still lying on the chair. Shit! he exclaimed, making a dash for them. He grabbed the flowers, and as he headed back to the nurse, he noticed that Sophia was no longer in the hallway. How is Sophia? he asked, the nurse as she finally got to her side. Who? she responded. Sophia! The patient lying in the corner while I was sleeping. Oh, her. She's going to be fine, she said with a smile. She's finally in surgery and will be finishing soon. She began walking down the lobby with Jack behind her, the flowers clutched to his chest. As they passed some open rooms, John couldn't help glancing at the police officers in their various states of disrepair. He saw a woman crying profusely as the doctor stood above her with one arm on her shoulder. He passed another room with a woman kneeling beside her husband with his hands in hers as she smiled. Excuse me, a voice yelled out to Jack who was staring at the patients. Oh, I apologize, Jack said quickly, sticking a step back. Please, just watch where you're going, the doctor scoffed. He wheeled a gurney past Jack who stood embarrassed as the doctor passed him. I apologize for him being short, the nurse said to Jack as he finally stepped beside her. Tensions are still high at the moment. You don't have to apologize, Jack said. I understand. Quick question. Did a Volta ever come up to the superintendent's room? Hans mentioned there was a Walter claiming to be a brother of the superintendent. The nurse stood silently for a minute. Well, there was a man named Walter who was cursing a lot at one of the nurses because she wouldn't let him know how the superintendent was doing. Where is he now? He was, he was escorted out. Good. I should point out that the superintendent has no family that is alive at the moment, unfortunately. He must have been a fan of some sort, Jack concluded. Thanks for the information, Mr. Sauer. I'll let the front desk know. They proceeded down the white hallway in absolute silence, with Jack pondering the first thing he would say to her, Melissa. The nurse stopped in front of room 203A and knocked. Are you decent, ma'am? A voice called out from behind the door. Yes. The nurse turned to Jack. Let me know if you need anything, she said in a whisper and stepped away from the door. Jack nodded, pulled the handle and stepped into the room. The light from the large windows opposite the door filled the room with light. The room had white painted walls. There were light brown drapes that gave the room some color. A shelf ran across the wall, a lone chair sat in the front of a desk in the corner of the room, and a yellow sofa was placed in front of the window. Melissa was reclined on the bed in the middle of the room with the television blaring the news. She smiled as Jack stepped into it and stared at her in silence. 
Nothing. We did to say. Melissa finally stated in a gravelly voice, breaking the silence. That is not the jack I know, she said, forcing a smile. I'm at a loss, Jack said, staring at Melissa. She looked worn and exhausted. Her hair was visibly ruffled, and she had white strips of bandages covering her injured arm. There were dark circles under her eyes, and the strands of grey hair seemed inexplicably prominent. I got you this, he said, showing her the flowers. They're beautiful, Melissa said, clutching her chest. I have no place to put it. She continued to look around for anything she could put the flowers in. I'll get the nurse to find something, Jack responded quickly. Save your strength. He took several steps towards her. How are you feeling? I can assure you I have felt better. She said, forcing a laugh and then regressing into a coughing fit. Jack darted to her side and began to rub her back furiously. It's going to be okay. A few seconds later, she calmed down. Let's try to avoid the jokes for now. Do you need anything? A drink? Anything? Jack walked to the table, reached for a cup and poured some water. Then he dragged the yellow chair to her bedside and handed her the cup. Melissa took a gulp and placed the cup on the table beside her. How did we do? She finally said. We did great. We controlled the colony district. The governor signed an order to reinforce the police force presence in the city and to make sure the walls do not get breached. Last week, these actions would have been unheard of. And it all came down to you, Jack responded. How about the men? Jack paused and looked away. It was a risky move, and I think you should acknowledge that. Melissa sunk into her bed. Did I mess it up? No, 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 Jack said, reaching for her arm. The victory was decisive, at least as much as the department can tell. What do you mean, as much as the department can tell? Melissa asked. Jack paused. There are rumblings. Rumblings? About what? A power struggle in the organization. It seems that with the death of the dragon baron, some families are vying for the top spot. That's an exciting development, Melissa said sarcastically. Just then, Mikhail appeared on the screen, and Melissa signaled Jack to be quiet. The governor has called upon me to convey to the people of Engelstadt that we can finally say the law has prevailed over chaos, Mikhail said into the press microphones. There was a thunderous applause from the crowd and journalists who were standing at the bottom of the city steps. For too long, the colony district has been the home of crime, violence, and excess. Today, under the direction of Superintendent Melissa Fight and with the express encouragement of the governor, an order was carried out and it was successful. The governor also believes the covert actions that were conducted leading to the death of the dragon baron facilitated this victory and I would like to thank all the agents and officers who participated in this state action. It cannot be overstated the contributions of those who lost their lives in this operation. 
The governor's heartfelt condolences goes out to all those who lost family in this action. It goes without saying that the family of those heroes will be honored, as will all those who participated. We are at a precipice, and victory is within our grasp, Mikhail concluded to the huge cheers from the crowd. He looked around, beaming from ear to ear, soaking in the adulation. I'll now take a few questions. The journalist's arms shot up. Yes, Patricia, Mikhail said. Patricia Fisher from the city district. How would you describe the health of the superintendent? When should we expect her to get back to work? I am not a doctor. I'm sure they'll let us know when she's ready, he said with a smile. Yes, Christoph, he said, pointing to another journalist. Thank you, Mikhail. Our congratulations go to the governor and the superintendent as she recovers. Who will be running the police force in the meantime? The governor and I have decided that Eric Perea will be running the department until the superintendent recovers. Did he not threaten to resign before the encroachment? The voice of Lanky Paul Zebner interjected before Mikhail could respond. Frankly, I'm confused by the whole timeline of this. I have reports from the front line that you and the superintendent got into a bit of an argument before the encroachment began. There was a significant amount of pushback from the governor's office. Don't you think it's a bit disingenuous that you now conveniently accept the accolades? What are you implying, Paul Zepner? Mikhail looked visibly angry. You come with your conspiracy theories, trying to model the facts and reality to confuse the populace. Are you implying that the governor is intentionally misleading the people? I'm not implying anything, the lanky journalist continued getting to his feet. On a momentous day like this, it would be encouraging to have the governor herself walk up to the podium and let the people know of her great victory, wouldn't you say? I mean, to ask the governor why he would reinstate someone who described the superintendent and I quote, an incompetent fool who is relying on luck instead of strategy. Is this the governor's way of showing a lack of confidence in Superintendent Melissa fight? There you go again, Paul. You plant the seeds into people's head, the seeds of discord. Meanwhile, I have stated that we are looking forward to the return of the superintendent, Eric is simply the most qualified person for the job right now and he will be there only till she recovers entirely Mikhail shot back yet you did not answer my question about the availability of the governor Paul shot back perhaps you asked too many questions Paul the governor is only busy creating a strategy for another successful mission we'll get back to you as soon as he's available are you kidding me? Are you trying to say? Paul began. This press conference is over, Mikhail said forcefully. Thank you all for coming. He grabbed the speech and started climbing the staircase before the journalist began peppering him with questions. Melissa stared at the TV screen in disbelief. Did he just say the governor approved the mission? She was clutching her sheets tighter as the conference pressed on. I fought tooth and nail for that to happen. And if the governor had approved my budget, I'm sure we would have had fewer casualties from the mission. Now he wants to claim it as his own idea? I can't even 
Melissa took a few gulps and then she signaled John that she was fine. I think I'm, I'm going to need some time to myself, she said finally. I understand, Jack said getting to his feet. I will come in tomorrow. I'll get a nurse to come clean the spill up and bring a vase in for the flowers. He paused at the door. Listen, Melissa, everyone at the station knows what you did. We all think you're a hero. If you need anything from me, just reach out, he said with a faint smile. Melissa smiled back. What would I be able to do without you, Jack? She responded with a gravelly voice. Apparently, take down a whole criminal organization, he retorted before chuckling. Thank you, Jack, she said, striking a tone of sincerity. Jack nodded and headed out the door, leaving Melissa to sit alone in her hospital room. She sat quietly for a few minutes and she felt a sense of fear build. Her eyes started darting wildly around the room. A few minutes later, Hans walked in with his bucket and the nurse beside him. Melissa's eyes grew wild and she let out a scream. Superintendent! The nurse called out to her. Superintendent, are you okay? She called out as Melissa began swinging wildly. The nurse pushed the radio button. We have a code grey, she yelled into the radio. Moments later, a doctor and two nurses dashed through the door. Melissa stood in the corner of the room, screaming, Don't come near me, Antonio. She was shaking her fist at her hands. The doctor looked puzzled, but they slowly started to walk towards her. Superintendent, it's going to be okay. We're here to help, the doctor said in a calm voice. When they were within arm's reach, the two nurses made a dash and grabbed her. Melissa cried out in horror. No! 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 Antonio! I won't be dying tonight! No! No! She kicked and lashed out violently as the nurse slowly began to overpower her. The doctor reached into his pocket, took out a syringe and stuck it into her leg as the nurse finally got her into her hold. Melissa could only see the silver mask of Antonio glowing in the flame. He was laughing and taunting her. I thought you had it under control, Superintendent. Stand up and fight me, he screamed. Pathetic. She could feel her body slowly losing the fight. She saw Antonio retreat into the darkness and she stared to come to her senses. She looked around puzzled by the doctor and the nurses around her. What happened? She said, confused. It's going to be all right, Superintendent. The doctor responded, letting out a sigh of relief. Everything is going to be all right. Melissa felt the darkness surrounding her and she could feel her body floating. She took one final look across the room and she began to drift and she caught Jack staring at her in horror from the doorway. Jack! She called out in a quiet voice. Then the darkness took over. Walter stared menacingly at the hospital guard. All I want to know is if my fucking sister is okay, he said angrily. The front door swung open and a doctor came out walking towards the men. Is this Walter? She asked, turning to the guard. You have to leave this premises now, Mr. Walter. 
We have confirmed the superintendent has no brothers named Valter. I assumed you confirmed with her, Valter stared, his eyes gleaming with mischief. I am not at liberty to say, the doctor responded. That is all the fucking answer I need, Valter declared. He turned around and began to walk away from the hospital. Please don't come back, whoever you are. I'm warning you, there will be consequences, the doctor shouted. Volta ignored the doctor, reached into his pocket and pulled out his phone. He dialed the number and crossed the street. This is fucking Volta. Tell the boss the time to strike is now.